You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 245, You and God in the Secret Place. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. And a good welcome to you. Thanks for joining me on the show this week. Kind of a secret place here, you know, just just you and me talking here every week like we like we do. I so look forward to it. Uh, whether I'm walking with you along the lake or driving in the car, it's just good to be with one another. It's the body of Christ. Well, today I want to talk to you about a theme that I've been thinking about quite a bit. I've been doing a lot of reading, and particularly the reading of um, Abraham Joshua Heschel. He is a Jewish philosopher, just an amazing writer, and uh, he was actually quoted in Fides et Ratio, the encyclical that Pope John Paul II made. Just a brilliant mind, and obviously, uh, John Paul II was a student of Abraham Joshua Heschel when it came to philosophy and modern thinking. Anyway, I've got a few quotes I want to share from uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel today. But what's been really on my heart is this whole idea of you and God in the secret place. The secret place. Do you have a, a secret place where you meet God? Well, when I was growing up, in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, in the Burbs, I was really big into creating secret places. And in our home, there was underneath the kitchen a crawl space. And there was, uh, I don't know, probably um, two feet high, something like that, filled in with dirt. And if you went downstairs, if you removed the picture on the wall, the picture on the wall, you could take a little ladder, climb up, and go into the crawl space. It was, a, for me, a secret place, and I figured out how to put the, the picture back up at times, you know, that it didn't look like, didn't look like anybody was up there. But I, I liked that secret place. I went up there and I, I rigged up a, a, an extension cord and brought a light up into, that, up into that secret place. That was one of my secret places. I had also a secret place that was outside where we built a great big ditch on the side of a hill, and it was about six feet deep, six feet square, and then we put, we put plywood over it and filled it over the top with dirt, and we knew where the entrance was, and for me and my friends, it was our secret place. Now, there was another secret place, and that was in, underneath the stairs in the same home. Uh, back then, you had to get on a phone to talk to people, and we had a party line, so you have to make sure you're the only one on there. But once you end up on the phone, if you have a phone up in the kitchen, your parents can hear everything you say to that girl you like. And so I figured out how to have a cord like 20 feet long downstairs, and it wrapped around underneath the stairway, and I built a secret place right there. Well, you probably have built secret places too. Tell me about them. You know, give me a give me a, sh a, a shout with an email or uh, put make some comments on this on Apple or Google Play. Love to know. Love to know where your secret place was. I think a secret place is as a powerful 
metaphor for meeting with God, to have a place where you can meet with God. It was Blaise Pascal who said in the 17th century, he said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. (laughs) Isn't that, that is amazing. And there's a lot of truth to that, I think. And that is that uh, as Abraham Joshua Heschel had once said, he talked about how uh, one of the biggest problems that we have is that we don't know what to do with silence. You know, we can't handle silence very well. We've got to fill that silence with something and that goes for the for the secret place, the secret place. We don't like to be alone. We don't like to be alone. Turn the radio on. Turn your songs on. Turn the television on in the background, whatever it might be. But I have found in recent months that there are a couple of different places that are that are secret places for me. The secret place certainly can be physically a secret place where you would meet with God on a regular basis. It could be in your kitchen, on the back porch, in the garage, in the car, where wherever. But there is this secret place where nobody seems to know where you're at, but you know where you're at. You're with God. You're in that secret place. And you meet the Lord there at the secret place from, from time to time. And then there is a place to go to be alone for for whatever whatever reason. So you've got the physical secret place, but there's also a secret place within, within you. There is that place where you go to meet with God, and it is cut off from all activity around you. It's peaceful. You're alone, and you can meet with God. And it's not dependent upon a physical location. In other words, you don't you don't necessarily have to go five miles down the road to that one church. There is a secret place within, and God wants to meet you there. He wants to meet you there. I've also found out a third one, and that is the Sabbath. The Sabbath uh, for us is Sunday. For the Jews, it's Saturday. It's Sunday for us because of the resurrection of Jesus, and the early church said, this is the place of rest. In the finished work of, of Christ, the resurrection of the Lord, this is the place where we are going to rest. And the Sabbath for Sunday, us, is that place that is different than any other day of the week. It is different. It's the Sabbath. We have entered in to the finished work of Jesus. And you know, I, I really believe with all of my heart that we need a Sabbath. We need to take a day every week where we cease from work, we stop thinking about how to get ahead, or we stop thinking about work. And what do we do? We enter the secret place and meet with God throughout the day. Now, I know enough about Catholicism in the United States to know that many people, I won't say most, but many people have really no concept of the Sabbath anymore. When I was a kid growing up, you might remember this, you know, depending on when you graduated from high school, but I can remember growing up when Sunday was shut down. Stores simply weren't open. Liquor stores were closed. All of the businesses shut down. It was it felt different when Saturday ended and you know that Sunday was right around the corner. It was like uh 
in a in a holy eerie way in a way you know it's like well nothing's going to happen until monday everything everything's going to shut down but then we started to kind of fudge on that and uh, stores started opening and then malls started opening and liquor stores and everything else and to be honest with you a lot of a lot of places particularly retail don't look really any different than monday through saturday and so we have as a country sort of lost this sense of the Sabbath. We've lost it. I love this beautiful quote by Abraham Joshua Heschel. I mentioned to you that I was, I was uh, doing some reading of Heschel, and he said in the, his book called The Sabbath, he says, to gain control of the world of space is certainly one of our tasks. The danger begins when in gaining power in the realm of space, we forfeit all aspirations in the realm of time. He says, there is, a, there is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be. Not to own, but to give. Not to control, but to share. Not to subdue, but to be in accord. He goes on and he says, life goes wrong when the control of space, the acquisition of things of space, becomes our sole concern. Isn't that something? Uh, listen to what he said again. He said, life goes wrong when the control of space, the acquisition of things of space, becomes our sole concern. And when we are alone and we have nothing to acquire, no things to acquire for the space, we can go crazy practically. We don't know how to deal with this being alone. This secret place is a place where you can meet God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you this week to, to think about where that secret place is for you and what happens in the secret place. I would argue that there is a physical secret place that we could go for sure, but I would also argue that internally within our heart, our mind, there is a secret place where we can meet with God and things really happen. There can be a, a Sabbath rest to be sure, but you can enter, get this, you can enter the secret place in a very busy schedule during a very busy day. I really believe that, that you can find that secret place. And that's what I want to talk to you about right after this. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. If you've enjoyed the Rejoice Advent resources in the past Advents, you know firsthand how God can use this season of Advent to foster a personal encounter with Him so that you are ready for the person of Jesus Christ at Christmas. My name is Father Mark Toops, author of the Rejoice Advent Meditation Series, and I'm excited about this year as we invite you on a pilgrimage as we learn more about the places, people, and events of the very first Advent. I am humbled with all of you who have uh, celebrated with me the gift of Advent. Over 100,000 people have been a part of the Rejoice resource in the past. It's been a humble privilege for me to walk with you, and I'm excited about this year's pilgrimage as we learn more about those places, people, and events of the very first Advent. 
To learn more and to go on the pilgrimage with us, go to rejoiceprogram.com. Until we see you in this Advent journey, God bless you. Okay, thanks. Welcome back. We're talking today about uh, you and God in the secret place. And my assignment for you this week, kidding about that, but kind of an assignment, is to think about, do you have a secret place where you go to meet God physically and internally? Do you have those, those times throughout the day where you withdraw from the busyness of the world and you go to that secret place to the Lord? Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, is this scriptural? Is this scriptural? It is so scriptural. And in fact, I'm going to share that with you. Three different sets of scriptures, uh, one in the old and two in the new, that really illustrate this idea of combating things in life by going to that secret place and doing work, the work of our heart in that secret place. Hey, before I go on, I've got to tell you this. I wanted to tell you this. I've got a new daily show on Hello app, and it's uh, Daily Reflections with me and Jonathan Rumi. He plays Jesus on the on the um, the series The Chosen, and he is incredible. I mean, this guy is an actor, and he is incredible. And the two of us have partnered up with Hello to uh, to read the Gospel of the day. And then I, he'll read the gospel of the day. You got to hear this guy read. He'll read the gospel of the day. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to give a, a devotion, about a four to five minute thought on that scripture that day. And uh, someone asked me and they heard about it. They said, oh, are you going to do that every Sunday? And I said, no, we're going to do it every day. <laughs> 365 a year, we're going to go through the gospel reading in the liturgy for that day. If you're interested in joining me, it's kind of an extension of what I'm doing here, and you can join me at hallow.com forward slash partner dash Jeff Cavins. I'll put the that in the show notes. And the reason I mention it there is that from what I understand, you can have three months free. Check it out. That's Hallow, and we're really excited to, uh, to work with them. Okay, now we're talking about that secret place where you meet God. Now, I want to talk as I show you this. I want to I want to talk about three major problems that we all struggle with to one degree or another. And and you know, stick with me here because I'm going to show you how the secret place can deal with the problems that you might be facing. In Genesis chapter 3, and you know I go back here quite a bit, you know, because after all, the beginning of the Bible kind of sets the stage and the plot. But in chapter 3 of Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve were not allowed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they ate it, they would surely die, right? And the enemy comes, the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God say you shall not eat of the tree? He says, oh, we can... Uh, we can eat of the tree, but not the one that's in the middle of the garden. We can't even touch that one lest we die. And the enemy comes back in Genesis 3, 4 and says to the woman, you will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now in verse 6, Eve notices three things about the fruit on the tree. She says, number one, it's good for food. Number two, 
It's a delight to the eyes. It's beautiful. Wow. Number three, it is desired to make one wise. Now, what is not to like about that? I mean, those are three things. Well, the problem is, is that she chose the creation rather than the creator. The creator gave her everything and said, don't eat from that tree. But the enemy fooled her. And she wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. And what did she do? She lost her trust in God. And she reached out and she not only touched the fruit, but she ate the fruit. You see, the sin that got us into trouble is idolatry. It is going after the creation, grabbing and apprehending and grasping the the creation rather than the creator. Now, that's at the very beginning of the Bible. Now, at the very end of the Bible, in, let's see here, in 1 John, uh, the first letter of John chapter 2, he, John, (laughs) remembers those three things at the very beginning. Delight to the eyes, make one wise, good for food, all that. When he says in First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 15, do not love the world, and I'll put this in the show notes for you, and I'll share with you at the end of the show how to get the show notes. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof. Whoa! Those are the three things that were back in Genesis. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In comes Jesus. Right in the middle here, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, it's right in the middle of the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and right there, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus... He starts talking about piety. I've never liked that word. I don't know what it what it is about that word. Do you? You like that? I mean, maybe it's because I grew up thinking, oh, he's so pious, you know, and and I associated that word pious with you know with piety. And uh, but but I'm growing to accept it. <laughs> it's in my Bible. And so right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus is going to mention three disciplines, three forms of piety, and he is going to tell you the wrong way to do it, and he's going to tell you the right way to do it. And the right way to do it, all three, is this, catch it, is to go to your Father who is in secret. (laughs) Go to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know what that means? We talked about the Sabbath, duh, right? But what this means now is that you can go into a secret place with your father, even in the midst of a busy day, schedule, hour, in the midst of dealing with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There is a secret place. For you to go. And so what we see here, and I'll put this in the show notes for you because it can sound a little bit complicated, but we see that there was the problem in Genesis, the delight to the eyes. And then in John 2, 1 John 2, we have the lust of the eyes. And the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with it? And we deal with it 
in the Sermon on the Mount with the very first form of piety that Jesus mentions. He says, Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Then he says, Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Then he says, truly I say to you, they have their reward, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret. So the way that we deal with the, 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 the lust of the eyes, you know what that means, right? The lust of the eyes. Go to a mall, go, to, go downtown, go anywhere. You go to television, cables, uh, internet. People really have a problem with the lust of the eyes. And what how do you deal with the with the lust of the eyes? We want something. We want something. Almsgiving. That's right. Divest yourself from that which has a hold on you. And here's what Jesus says when he's talking about when you do almsgiving, which is the way that we deal with this lust of the eyes. He says, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So here we see that there is a secret place with the father that you can overcome the lust of the eyes. This is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant, Jesus. He has given you a way to deal with the lust of the eyes. And the key is to go to the secret place with your father. Divest yourself of what has a a hold of you. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Almsgiving, but don't make a fanfare of it. Don't blow a trumpet. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't put it on Twitter. Hey, everybody, trending. Jeff Cavins is making a sacrifice here. He's giving alms again. No, that's not what we're talking about. And I've never done that. So the idea is go to the secret place where your father sees in secret. That's where you're going to give. That's why I'm saying you can go to a secret place with a father in the middle of the day. The middle of the day. (laughs) It's great. And then the second one that we see, which was a problem back in, in the Old Testament in Genesis is that uh, she saw that the that the that the fruit Eve saw that the fruit was good for the taste. It was good for food. It was good. It tasted good. Who doesn't like a good filet mignon steak? You know, or if you're a vegan, who doesn't who doesn't enjoy good lettuce? <laughs> you know, we 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 are attracted by things that that taste good, right? <laughs> the lust the lust for for food and and there is the lust of the flesh and first john talks about it he talks about the lust of the eyes the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and so when we talk about the the language that's used in genesis 3 6 good for food tasty we know that at the end of the bible it talks about the lust of the flesh how do we deal with that again the key is the secret place the secret place, because it says 
in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 through 18. It says that we have the key now for dealing with the lust of the flesh. We have the key. And so this is dealing with fasting. So how do you deal with this lust of the flesh, this lust for the food? It's tasty and you can't get enough of it. Have you ever found yourself in that kind of a situation where you just uh, indulging just a bit too much, you know, and whether it's food or drink or whatever, and Jesus has the solution right here. And it's related to going into the secret place with your father. And here's what it says about fasting. And fasting, of course, is, uh, is, is going without. It says in uh, Matthew 6, 16, And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting so that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got it. People saw them. Yay. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Isn't that beautiful? Again, yay, Jesus. He's given us, he's given us these marvelous gifts of piety that can be done in the secret place with our Father, and something can happen in our heart. We can grow. We can mature in our faith. But it doesn't typically happen by running around the malls and yelling and screaming and celebrating everything else. You've got to go to the secret place. Whether it's a Sabbath or whether it's a place or whether it's something within you, you go to that secret place. Now, the third one, the the problem in Genesis 3 was Eve saw that the fruit would make one wise. Now, what's there not to like about being wise? Well, 1 John, he kind of figured that out, and he called it the pride of life. Hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. I am really something. I've accomplished this. I own that. my, My investments have done this, and the pride of life. I'm an American. I don't need anybody. You know, I pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'm a man's man, you know. Pride of life. So, in Genesis, it said, make one wise. The fruit would make one wise in First John, pride of life. How in the world do you deal with this? Again, it goes back to the Father's secret place, to the secret place with the Father, and it is prayer. That is in Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And listen to what it says. Again, it has to do with the secret place. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Isn't that beautiful? So he's, he's not telling us to do nothing, you know, for this secret place. He's saying, in the secret place, you can give. In the secret place, you can fast. In the secret place, you can pray. Your father who's in the secret place, he sees in secret. And he will reward you. Oh, that is 
good. I, I love this. And, you know, I remember the first time I really caught a hold of, of this wonderful teaching, you know, that, 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 uh, that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount. I really love it. And I can see how it really flows from his life. You know, in, in Mark one thirty five, and I'll put it in the show notes, we see that in the morning, uh, a great while before day, Jesus rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Jesus found the Father's lonely place, this secret place. And it wasn't really so secret because everybody knew he was doing it. I mean, they knew he was going up there, but it was his secret place with the Father physically and internally. Like Mark 6, 31, Jesus even invited the, uh, the disciples and he said to them, in Mark 6, 31, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And so Jesus is like, Let's go away to a secret place. Well, that was dealing with food, you know, regular food. But what about the food for your soul? What about the nurturing of your soul? Feeding your heart. Come away with me, the Father says. Come away. Come away with me to the secret place. I want to feed you. I want to comfort you. I want you to recollect and do the examine. I want you to do Lexio Divina. I want you to see yourself the way I see you. Come away with me to the secret place. Isn't that beautiful? Abraham Joshua Heschel said, and I'll end with this as a quote, he said, the higher goal of spiritual living is not to amass a wealth of information, but to face sacred moments. Isn't that beautiful? The higher goal of spiritual living is not to amass a wealth of information. That's not what spiritual living is all about, but to face sacred moments. That's where spiritual living is. And sacred moments, my friend, that's the secret place with the Father. And so this week, I would encourage you, I would encourage you this week to seek God. I want to invite you to go ahead and text me, my name, Jeff Cavins, J-E-F-F-C-A-V-I-N-S. Text my name to the number 33777. If you do that, we're going to send you the weekly notes for this show. Every week, I try to come up with something that I think will be beneficial for you and me. And I also like to provide a lot of good notes, the quotes that I use and the, the verses from the Bible and the paragraphs from the catechism. And I know that it'll be helpful uh, for you to get more out of these podcasts. And so thank God that Ascension Press is doing such a great job of putting these together and making them available to you. That's Jeff Cavins, and the number is 33777. And if for some reason you are not getting the notes and you once signed up, sign up again. We'll make sure we get them going once again. Allow me to pray with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, I thank you so much for not only laying your life down for us and giving us eternity, but even here on earth, inviting us to come away to the secret place to go away to a lonely place with you where you can work on our hearts. You can help us in the area of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Oh, Jesus, we can see now that we need this more. More than ever, we need to be alone with you. Help us to create the secret place physically, internally, and certainly the Sabbath on Sunday. May it be a secret place, a day like 
none other. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you, my friend. I look forward to seeing you next week and God bless you.